I'm Alec Hawkfrost. Oh, come on. Who put a question mark on the teleprompter? You know he's going to read whatever's on there. Hey, Doug. Yeah. Lane's here. Lane! Morning! Ah, beards. Beards and stuff. Spartans and Wolverines and, and, and balloons and golden rainbows and stuff. And unicorns. Everything but a starting quarterback. Oh. Well, we got one of those, I mean. <laughs> we will get to that later. First, we're going to start with, um, and we'll also let Lane later brag about his awesome podcast on the Watershed Voice Podcast Network. So, Smartmatic, I know, I know. It sounds like something that the Jetsons invented. <laughs> um, you know, it's some sort of robot that cooks dinner for you. But it isn't. Smartmatic deals in uh, voting machines. And Smartmatic also deals in suing large media companies over promoting a false narrative about the 2020 election that damaged the company. They are suing Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, three anchors, and uh, Rudy Giuliani and uh, Sidney Powell are both mentioned uh, lawyers who promoted this narrative. Fox News is being sued by Smartmatic for over $2.7 billion. Uh, according to the New York Times, Robert, Robert, well, whatever, Rupert Murdoch, Fox Corporation, what would be the difference? I mean, they lie all the time. So uh, has been sued by an obscure tech company that has accused his cable networks of defamation and contributing to the fervor that led to the siege of the Capitol. Uh, the suit pits Smartmatic, which provided election technology in one county, one county, against Donald Trump's longtime favorite news outlet and three Fox News anchors, all of which are ardent uh, supporters of the former president. A trial could reveal how Trump's media backers sought to cast doubt on an election that delivered a victory to President Biden and a loss to an incumbent who refused to accept reality. I'm quoting the New York Times here. Um, so basically, it seeks at least at least $2.7 billion in damage. Um, so basically what we're looking at is a 276-page complaint, uh, which Smartmatic has requested a jury trial. It argues that Giuliani and Powell, the attorneys that I mentioned before, created a story about Smartmatic and that Fox joined the conspiracy to, to defame and disparage Smartmatic and its election technology and software. Now, this isn't the first suit that has been lodged by an election technology slash equipment um, company a few months back. So basically, Doug earlier this week shared this and said, hey, check this out. And I said, oh, I read about this a few months back, but it wasn't this company. It was Dominion. Um, yeah, Dominion, I think, is the more famous one, uh, probably just because it's an easy to remember name. But yeah, this is a second voting machine company who uh, now feels that their business has been sufficiently damaged that they need to sue um, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Lou Dobbs, Janine Pirro, uh, Marie Bordoromo. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are, is that people are worried they're going to lose their business um, because of falsehoods, because people don't like the results of the election. Well, so 
Go ahead. Check the suit cites a false claim made by Miss Powell on a November episode of Dobbs Show on Fox Business that Hugo Chavez, the deceased president of Venezuela, who died in 2013, by the way, had a hand <laughs> Eight in the years ago. <laughs> yes, had an had a hand in the creation of Smartmatic technology, designing it so the votes it processed could be changed undetected. Uh, like I said before, Chavez died in 2013 and did not have anything to do with Smartmatic. And lawsuit- if, if so, he was playing the really, really, really long game because <laughs> there were well, there was election before then. I mean, listen, it's probably him and Tupac. You know, <laughs> I, don't Biggie, I, don't, I don't think Biggie would be involved in this, but, uh, you know, Tupac has been known to, to live in Cuba apparently and <laughs> other, and other, you know, countries and maybe Venezuela is one of them. I don't know. Just so we're clear, I'm completely joking. I do not want to be sued by Smartmatic or anybody else. Um, and we do not two false narratives here on watershed voice but basically and we shouldn't because smartmatic is not playing well they are kind of playing around because when they filed their suit it literally starts the earth is round two plus two is four joe biden and kamala harris won the 2020 election for president and vice president of the united states the election was not stolen rigged or fight uh, or fixed these are facts they are demonstrable and irrefutable so smartmatic wants their money but this is a joke to them this is I, this is you know what Fox News is doing. They do not take seriously. They are making a joke out of it because it is a joke, because they worked really hard to do their only job, which was secure the election. And if you can't prove that they didn't secure the election, then they have every right to say you're costing us money for no reason. Stop throwing your tantrum. Pay up and shut up. So Smartmatic added in its complaint that Fox broadcasting of the false claims jeopardized its multi-billion dollar pipeline of business, damaged its election technology and software businesses, and made it difficult for the company to get new business in the United States where it had made inroads after years of servicing elections in other nations. Lane, what is your take on this whole thing? You know, I mean, the whole situation to me very much feels like a uh, kind of mess around and find out kind of situation um you know fox news that <laughs> they've peddled for the past oh hell six months you know inaccuracies about the election he's saying you know joe biden's gonna steal it and it just feels like dominoes are starting to fall on uh, repercussions for all these just blatant lies and and non-truths um you look at the latest domino to falls fox canceled lou dobbs last night which was their highest I guess, viewership show uh, for Fox. And it just feels like to me that Fox is now finally being held accountable, whether or not the the lawsuit is, I guess, legitimate or if it's just kind of trying to prove a point. Um, it just feels like, you know, past four years of just inaccuracies and truth are, are finally coming to a head and they could be punished for it. And I feel like that's a great thing because I feel – like this entire situation the past, you know, four to five years, it's just been lie after lie after lie. And before long, it becomes some people's truth. Um, and it just goes unpunished. And I, I think this is a good step, step in the right direction for journalistic truth and integrity. Well, and this lawsuit, along with Dominions, um, could set a precedent because – 
I think we've all heard rumblings over the last year that Trump wants to start his own news network. Um, and basically it would be peddling these same conspiracy theories, these same sensational lies. And if they were to win this, it would, it would open up, um, a clear avenue of liability for Trump and any other company, you know, own on anybody that wants to produce this kind of programming and present themselves as a news network. Fox News, a, a spokeswoman for Fox News, disputed the claims in Smartmatic's lawsuit, saying in a statement, Fox News Media is committed to providing the full context of every story with in-depth reporting and clear opinion. We are proud of our 2020 election coverage and will vigorously defend this meritless lawsuit in court. Sidney Powell, the, the attorney, who said she had not seen or received notice of the suit, said your character your characterization of the claims shows that this is just another political maneuver motivated by the radical left. There is no basis in fact or law. Whereas Smartmatic uses the word existential to talk about their motivation in terms of actually losing their entire business. So it's it's really going to be a, an interesting case to watch. Absolutely. So on to, you know, I don't know if it's equally depressing, uh, you know, as trying to throw a U.S. election. I don't think it is. Um, in fact, I know it isn't, but <laughs> Matthew Stafford <laughs> was traded. The longtime lion, the face of the franchise for the past 12 years was traded to the Los Angeles Rams for two future first round picks and a third round pick, um, in this year's draft plus former, uh, number one overall pick Jared Goff in exchange for Matthew Stafford, who will be an L.A. Ram officially in March. Gentlemen, uh, I think I think the trade itself has been talked about plenty. What I want to know as Stafford makes his exit from Motown, what memories are going to, you know, basically last for the remainder of your fanhood of the Detroit Lions, which at this point, I don't know, maybe that's now, <laughs> but, uh, what do you think Lane? You know, uh, what I, I mean, the first, when I found out about the trade, you know, I've been playing, uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs is missing you on loop for the past, you know, week and a half. Um, <laughs> crying myself to sleep, but you know, there's, I mean, I've got like, I mean, you could say I have 31 favorite moments for every single fourth quarter comeback the man's had. Um, but for me, I think what's encapsulated his entire career with Detroit, um, is in 2012 is 5,000 yard, uh, season passing yard season. Um, to me that when he's being mentioned the same, uh, breath as breeze and Brady, um, for a season, that's, that's impressive. And I feel like that shows the quality of a passer. He was, um, he averaged that year, I believe 316 yards a game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, he, there's, I mean, there's just so many memories. I mean, I know there's going to be some that some that we're all going to be talking about here. I mean, but to me that 
more than anything, that just captured his entire time in Detroit. I mean, the guy was a spectacular passer, um, a good guy on and off the field, and he was the undoubted leader of that team. Um, and this is coming from somebody who wasn't a huge Stafford fan in his entire career. Um, within the past, you know, five or six seasons, I've really grown to appreciate the man, and and now I'm going to have to say goodbye to him. So it, it, it stinks. So for me, the thing that stands out for Matthew Stafford, um, and this is kind of awkward, I was on a, a discussion board talking about the Lions, and there was some talk about where Matthew Stafford ranks on the all-time Lions. And I made this statement because of the hurt of Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders leaving early. I said, the simple fact that he showed up for his 11th season is the reason why he's the greatest Detroit Lion ever. And I had no idea at the time that he was going to be following suit with them. Um so, yeah, that one really stinks. Um, you know, you look at the Lions all-time standings. He has 45,000 passing yards. The next top guy is Bobby Lane. He has 15,000. He has 282 touchdowns. Next top guy, Bobby Lane, again, has 118. So this guy has doubled or tripled every other quarterback we've ever had. And since I've been watching as a kid, I've counted all of those quarterbacks. That's what Matthew Stafford was. He was just that one guy that we finally had a quarterback. And it wasn't just the statistics, it was the moments. Like the big moment for me is always the Dallas game in 2013, uh, where he saw the opportunity. He completed a pass to Calvin Johnson, got us down to the one yard line, called for the the uh, the spike like every other quarterback would, realized that Dallas was on their heels, and grabbed the ball, jumped into the end zone. Nobody, not his teammates, not his opponents, not his coaches, nobody knew what he was going to do. And, uh, you know, he basically put himself up there with Dan Marino for one of the all-time great uh, fake spikes, winning that game in the dying seconds um, on, on a lark, basically. Like, that's Matthew Stafford. Like, there was that gut thing. You know, I grew up watching Brett Favre. I grew up watching Steve Young. And these guys were brilliant quarterbacks in terms of the cerebral play, but Stafford just had that gut play, that just ability to just kind of make things work, you know, that kind of has died away from, you know, the quarterbacks I grew up in the 90s to the generation of the Manning and the Brady. So I think the the Dallas game and that dive is really where Matthew Stafford put his stamp on his own career for the Lions. And uh, he will be missed. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Matthew Stafford, I think of Brett Favre. I think of, you know, the really tough gunslinging risk taker who is tough as nails and will play through anything. I mean, this past year alone, (laughs) I mean, it was insane how many injuries he had by the end of the season. Heck, last season when he only played in, what, eight or nine games, he basically had a broken back and he was still playing. And he was having statistically his most efficient season uh, as a Lion last year. So it breaks my heart. Um, I, unlike Lane, have been a huge supporter of Matthew Stafford. I don't remember if it took me very long, but I know that I had to convince Doug when we were in college that this was the guy. I think you were in before the draft and I was in basically after the draft or right before the draft, because you convinced me. I remember you sending me a clip of him at Georgia eviscerating SEC cornerbacks, and you were pointing out how rare that is. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I mean, the arm strength 
to me, again, was comparable to, I mean, they kept making the comparison. Maybe it was because he wore number seven in college, but they talked about how, you know, John Elway. And I mean, we've seen, we've seen photos of Calvin Johnson's hands. His fingers are gnarly. He had nerve Um, damage in his arms the one year. I'm pretty sure Stafford had a hand in that. Yeah. Well, and then Golden Tate said the same thing. Like, so, I mean, this guy's physical prowess was something uh, definitely, uh, it was dangerous. He was a dangerous player uh, um, on the field because he could make anything happen. But what I remember and what will always stick out to me and is to me the greatest NFL films mic'd up of all time is his game, his rookie season against Cleveland in which he led a game winning drive. Basically he gets pummeled um, throwing a Hail Mary pass into the end zone um, as time expires. And on that play, he dislocated his non-throwing shoulder. And I believe it was um, Riola. I can't remember, like, I'm not looking at the clip now, but basically someone came up to him and said, hey, hey, there's a penalty, there's a flag, like, let's go. Like, it's down there. Um, So they basically got set up at the one-yard line, and, um, you know, he's in pain. He's striving. He's like, it's out, it's out. And he goes to the sideline, and they're telling him, you know, you're out, like, you can't, you can't play. So I believe they sent in, was it Dante Culpepper? Yes. Is that what they sent in? I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Culpepper. Yep. Okay. So they send, they send him in and then there's a timeout. And I think it was Cleveland. Cleveland called the timeout. And then Stafford goes, wait, was that a timeout? I can play. I can throw. Like he, he runs and literally one of the assistant coaches grabs him and tries to keep him from running back on the field. And he does it anyway. He runs out there with one arm, one functioning arm. He snaps the ball and he throws a game-winning touchdown pass with zeros on the clock. I believe was it Brandon Pettigrew? I believe it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yep. And just the and then as he's going off the sideline, people are patting him, like hitting him on the dislocated shoulder. And he's like, he's like trying to protect himself. But if you listen to that clip, you watch that clip, Doug and I were talking about it before, well before this trade. It just came up on my timeline, and I, and whenever I see it or whenever he sees it, we send it to each other. Yep. <laughs> and, right? And to me, like, that endeared him to an entire city because football isn't, and especially in Detroit, it's not as much about winning as losing and losing. It's about showing up. And it's about no matter how dark and no matter how like no matter how much it seems the odds are stacked against you, you fight anyway. That's just the mentality of Detroit. I mean, the auto union, like, you know, blue collar work ethic. And Stafford. Yeah. And Stafford never, ever took a day off. Not once. He didn't take a playoff. And that's what I'm gonna miss most because your team takes on the personality of your leader. I don't know who the Lions leader is anymore on the field. I know who it is off the field, Dan Campbell. Um, and I'm excited and nervous about that prospect. But the fact is Matthew Stafford is a generational talent. He is not 
um, average by any means. And he is the greatest quarterback in Lions history. I would still put Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson above Matthew Stafford because I think they're both first ballot Hall of Famers. Agreed. Agreed. But but if Matthew Stafford wins a Super Bowl with the Rams, he's number one. Completely um, agreed. Yeah. And I think I'm definitely going to count myself as a Los Angeles Rams fan for the yes. for as long as he is there, because that's just how much he meant to the Lions that I'm following him. I'm going with him. I'm still a Lions fan, of course, but I, I usually don't root for guys who leave, but I'm rooting for him. Even though he asked for a trade, he asked to move on. I'm in. I'm in his camp. But he did it as professionally as possible. As an Indiana Pacers fan, the way that Paul George handled his his d- departure from Indiana did not give the Lions the type of, you know, or didn't give the Pacers the kind of flexibility that Stafford gave the Lions. Um, And if you guys hear banging right now, it's because my cats, I think, are fighting outside my office. <laughs> if your cats so, want to talk about Matt Stafford, let them on. Yeah, I mean, they are Stafford. very, very upset about it. Let me tell you that right now. Um. <laughs> So basically at the end of the day, I think, I think he will always mean a lot to most Lions fans. I think some do what a lot of people do and they put all of our, all of the loss and, you know, indignity that the Lions have suffered as a franchise on the quarterback. And I'm not saying that he didn't make some, you know, bonehead mistakes throughout the years and that he was a perfect quarterback, but we haven't seen a talent like that under center ever in Detroit. And I don't know when we'll see it again because Jared Goff is not Matthew Stafford. Um, And he could end up, you know, getting back on track and being the pro bowl quarterback he was in year two and three of his career. But that remains to be seen. I mean, if Sean McVay is giving up on him, I don't, and is willing to give up away this much to get Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, I don't know, but. You know, Alec, you and I kind of, uh, you and I kind of talked about it like that, that the whole trade for Stafford really felt like an NBA style trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we just saw it with the Harden trade to the Nets. I mean, Houston got a monster return, uh, basically to shed a decently bad contract in which in this situation, the Rams would be the one shedding the contract. Um, I'm excited for golf. Um, I mean, I, I hope, like you said, he returns back to that form in years two and three, but I think more than anything, I'm excited to see him with a chip on his shoulder. Um, and I, I think if we can build the offensive talent around him, uh, I think you could see a pretty quick turnaround for the Lions. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, with you, I agree with you guys, too. I mean, for Stafford going to the Rams, I think the sky is the absolute limit for him. And then the other flip side of it is now you finally get to see what he has when he has, you know, a, a good offensive line, a good run game, healthy receivers, and one of the best defenses in the league. I think, I think Stafford's number best- one. Yeah, number one. So, I mean, I think the best defense Stafford ever had was like 12th or something like that, his entire tenure. So, I mean. Was that like Stephen Tullock? (laughs) Yeah, I actually think it was. I think that was like Stephen Tullock years. So, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, now when you have Aaron Donald, who you could argue is the best player in the league, Jalen Ramsey, who I would. one of the, I yeah, would too. I would too. Um, and then you've got Jalen Ramsey as a corner. I mean, sky's the limit. I and I think Super Bowl's in LA next year, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me. I I literally was like, wait, the Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay? That's cool, I guess. I think it is in LA. So I mean that I mean that could just be that's going to be exciting for him. I, I hope he does well. Um, I'm excited to see where this future goes. I, I'm, I mean, I'm ready for tomorrow to get over with and I'm ready to start playing in the 2021 season. And I would be remiss if I didn't add that he is now in Los Angeles where his childhood friend, Clayton Kershaw is oh, also God. a superstar with the Dodgers. <laughs> and you can't mention Matthew Stafford without the fact that every broadcast, somebody had to remind us that his friend is uh, now a, a, now a world series winning uh, pitcher who has a couple of Cy Youngs to his name. <laughs> those barbecues are going to be epic. How do I get an invite saying. to one of those? <laughs> you don't Doug. You don't. <laughs> So moving on, um, and unfortunately we do have to move on for Matthew Stafford. I think we've all gushed enough, um, <laughs> but we're going to continue to gush just on different subjects. So I don't know about you guys, but one of my, maybe my favorite sports franchise and as far as video games go might've been NCAA college football um, yes. from EA sports. Yes. and. It was last made back when Denard Robinson was on the cover. I think it was 2014 or something. I believe it was 2014. Well, they've announced this week that they're resurrecting the franchise um, after a long hiatus due to a lawsuit, um, which I think is completely fair, by the way. Like, I'm not saying that – Athletes shouldn't be paid for, you know, their likeness, even if they're in college. I think it's ridiculous that that was even a question. Um, You shouldn't be able to um, exploit these players and profit off them, and then they don't get anything from it. Um, The number of dollars Tim Tebow made for the University of Florida versus what he got in return were it, it, it was pitiful. But with that said, I'm really excited about this, guys. Like, me too. Me too. I don't know what year it's going to come out because they did not say, hey, it's going to come out in 2021. They said it definitely won't come out in 2021. Um, but beyond that, we don't know. But just tell me, what was your first reaction when you heard this news? I had a lot of excitement. Um, I, again, hadn't played it since I think before 2014. I think the last version that I had was 2011 uh, because that's when I was in college and I didn't have money for the new game every year. Um, but I, I think I always thought NCAA was more fun than Madden just because you could find 120 teams instead of just the 32 and, you know, you could go in and you could create your own player and go all the way through from freshman to, to senior, see how many Heismans you could wrap, rack up. Those uh, sports illustrated covers. You remember those? Oh, I do remember man, those. Yeah. Oh, I got a couple of those. So those were a lot of fun. And then you just, I mean, I remember the first time that I figured out how to run the option play and I probably played seven or eight straight games running nothing but options because they just work better in college. So like the, the different kind of football I think translates better to a video game, to be honest with you. Um, But then also just going to central Michigan university, uh, a school that most people 
uh, isn't high on their radar, you know, especially in the football landscape where we've had shame on them, like two or three first round picks, you know, and our most famous player is Antonio Brown, which of course stands up, but like people don't look at us, but the fact that we could jump on a video game and play as ourselves, play as the guys that we would see on Saturday was always really, really cool. Once, you know, I got into college. So that's what I really treasured about that. You know, yeah, and you know, I'm with you, Doug. I mean, I think the NCAA football was the uh, the first glimpse I had of toxic gaming, online gaming, uh, because <laughs> uh, I would always play as like Oregon and just you'd just run the option and you'd always get like a message or something. Could you stop running the option, man? What are you doing? It's, <laughs> I mean, and that's, I mean, that game to me was just. It was everything. I mean, every Friday night, me and my friends would get together. We'd we'd play, and I mean, you could go back to the days of like Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree of Texas Tech, and you would throw for you know six hundred yards a game, and Crabtree would Crabtree would have three twenty and four TDs. I mean, that game just from top to bottom, I think, is probably one of the best and most underrated just series. And to think that it's coming back with you know, the, the player likeness kind of working out. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And I, I can't wait to hop on the new system and, and just start playing it because holy crap. Yeah. Um, there won't be any real players in the game. Doug, you told me that, right? Uh, that's what any. I heard. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, what's new, first of all, right. they like, you know, and we all know that the roster creators that are on 2k and Madden and everywhere else, they're going to do that, and all we'll have to do is go get a roster update from them, right? And then we'll have all the real players, but it won't be sanctioned by EA or the NCAA, and the players um, won't get paid. No, of course. So, what I really enjoyed about that game is the unique atmosphere it would provide because if you were on the road. In a stadium, like let's say you like you went to Notre Dame or something, yeah. um, or you went down to the swamp, you know, like the actual like field conditions would change, like as far as like the way the crowd would affect you. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think that like if you guys have played any of the new Maddens, I mean, EA has been like just slacking on the job, man, like for <laughs> For years now. And I buy, and unlike Doug, I buy the, the version every year. Yep. Same but here. I'm like this, but I'm like this close to not doing it because of just how lazy it is. And, um, you know, there are, there are plenty of things that I'd love to see on this game that we don't get to see. I mean, I think 2K just wrecks Madden, um, yes. at mm-hmm. NBA 2K. And I would love to see them get a football franchise back. Like I would love to see ESPN football again one day. Um, you know, just because it's like it's the same thing every year. They don't even they don't even really update the commentary all that much. No, right. And it's like if I have to like listen, I like I actually like the broadcast team they have now. But if I have to listen one more time. About a piano teacher. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to throw something. So now when I play Madden, I take off the commentary and just have the field noise because I can't handle it because it's the same crap all the time. Um, so EA do better 
And thank you for bringing back NCAA. And I'm telling you right now that if you mess it up, we're going to be upset. And you saw, you saw what our generation did to GameStop. So <laughs> watch yourself is all I'm saying. If it stinks, we riot. Yes. You riot with our collective wealth, which isn't much. But, <laughs> I mean, we probably could come up with like, what, like 350 a piece, right? Yeah, I think we can get through. Um, That's at least enough to tear down the goalposts over at EA headquarters. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So the other thing, and Doug didn't even know about this until, like, I saw his face light up. Like, <laughs> I have I haven't seen it since he, like, first met his not-yet-wife, but now-wife, uh, <laughs> Patty. What up, Patty? Um, shout out. So, yes, and yes, Doug is married to a woman named Patty. Yes, the the uh, irony is not lost on either No of pork them. chop yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Nice. Um, <laughs> so MLB The Show, which has been a PlayStation exclusive for as long as it's been around, is finally coming to Xbox. And I genuinely, when the PS4 came out and now when the PS5 came out, I legitimately considered like going over to PlayStation again. I started out on PlayStation, PlayStation one, PlayStation two. But then when I got to college, the likes of Doug and my other friends all had Xboxes. I don't know why that was, but they did. And so I got a 360 and then I got an Xbox one and so on and so forth. But when I buy a new gen console, uh, console, I was, I was seriously considering PS five, but now that this has happened, I'm good. Like I'm good. I'm going to stick with Xbox because MLB the show is here and man, I have missed, I have missed just playing a decent baseball game on because RBI baseball and like these other like (laughs) cartoon arcade, like I want realism. I want to build, build out my bullpen. I want to, you know, develop my farm team. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to do all of these things. I want to create a guy and you know, as a star pitcher who throws for, you know, 104 miles an hour, um, <laughs> you know, and set the strikeout record. And like, I want to do a, all of these things, but I can't do it on what Xbox provided before. So Doug, just tell the folks how excited you are about this. Uh, over the moon is probably how I would phrase it. Um, so in the Xbox uh, landscape, uh, the last probably good baseball series was the 2K series. We talked about 2K basketball. They had 2K baseball up until 2K13. So it's been eight years that we've been uh. waiting for another video game that was supposed to be a a proper, you know, uh, I don't know, arcade. Not really an arcade experience, but a better than arcade experience of playing simulation. Baseball. You know, I grew up playing the EA games. I grew up playing first. They called it triple play baseball. And then they changed the name to MVP baseball. That's Manny Ramirez. Yes, exactly. And then uh, we, uh, you know, we became an Xbox family, my brothers and I, (laughs) basically. And so that meant we were playing 2K, probably 10 and 11 and 12. And then it petered out and we petered out. And I just I have not had a baseball video game in probably, you know, five years since I deleted or 2K13 or whatever it was. 
Um, so it's really awesome to have that back. I pretty much only play hockey and basketball video games at this point. So getting football and baseball back onto my slate soon is very, very exciting. Um, and I agree with Alec. I'm looking for a game that feels like the real MLB where I have to figure out how to hit the curveball, and I, you know, have to f- manage my lineups and, and figure out if it's a good time to run, you know, a, uh, a hit and run or a sacrifice bunt or things like that. And those things are going to pay off. So, um, yeah, I'm really hoping the show, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in the show. I've played their games on PlayStation and it's brilliant. Um, but I'm hoping the transition to Xbox is relatively easy because, you know, they're the ones putting out the best game and I'm glad it's not exclusive anymore. You know, and, and for me, I've, I've been spoiled because I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to play the show for, for a little while now. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not jealous at all, Lane. Well, it's all. getting all tribal in here. We're going to start snapping at each other and dance yeah. fighting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think it's awesome that. I call the sharks. You call the sharks. I call the sharks. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, I think it's awesome, though, that. Um, the show is finally getting to Xbox. Um, I think what would be really great is if you could do like cross console gameplay, that would, that would be sweet. Just so we're clear. That's rumored. Okay. You see, and if they do Ooh, that's rumored cross platform, that's rumored. See, and then which would probably be the, the first major game that's done that in terms of a sports game, at least. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause I don't think, I don't think Madden did it. No, I don't Has think so. 2K done it. Nah. Not that I recall. I don't. No, I don't no, think. So. I know that. I know that. Like Warzone. Oh, yeah. does that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, hey, listen. I think we're all excited. Like 2K for me back in the day. Like, remember when you could play basically what amounted to Sandlot baseball? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you could have like all of these. You could get like Lou Gehrig in there and <laughs> Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. And then, like, you're like, oh, wait, Mickey Mantle? Sure, join the game. <laughs> Mickey Mantle's batting seventh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and only because seventh. That's it. That's the only reason. Um, but, yeah, like, I miss that stuff. I miss that whole thing. And, like, I just remember the same thing with NCAA football. I remember, like Lane said, Friday night, staying up until four in the morning just having like a huge bag of sour uh, gummy worms and, you know, just cases and cases of Mountain Dew <laughs> and just like seeing who fell asleep first. I always, Listener, listeners I always can smell this right now. Yeah. Yeah. They can. <laughs> and also again, like what, what year was the last two K out? Like 13, 13. Okay. Way before that. Like we're talking like, high school yeah yeah so yeah because you know now on friday nights we were studying in college on friday nights <laughs> <laughs> can i just say i i do miss the days of you know being able to eat a giant bag of gummy worms and drink a case of mountain dew and not have to worry about my foot getting taken off <laughs> listen i can't eat either anymore um so uh, eat or drink either so I feel you, Lane. Also, like, you know, sugar-free shit is not as good. No, no. Um, and I just realized that in the last couple of minutes, I put the explicit label right on this <laughs> podcast. Um, and that's fine. You I don't knew care. what was coming. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you get me riled up about, you know, video game, uh, video games, period, 
um, I get excited. So, Doug, you got anything else to add? Lane, you got anything else to add? Are we we ready to wrap this thing up? Uh, I don't have any more lamentations on Matthew Stafford. I just want to say thank you. And then in terms of uh, the show and in terms of EA, I would also like to say thank you. Yeah, and I... Go ahead, Alec. Good. You're good. Well, Lane, what I was going to say is we can't forget to plug our favorite sports podcast. Lane. There you go. So, yeah, thank you guys uh, for, for bringing me on. Uh, you know, if you guys haven't yet, make sure you listen to Spartans, Wolverines, and Beards podcast. Uh, Jordan and I are just two buddies that, you know, two about two years ago, we're sitting down at a uh, local establishment having a beer, and we said, you know, we need to start a sports podcast. And we thought, what better way to do it than – kind of highlight some differences in sports opinions with him being a Michigan fan, me being a Michigan state fan and we're bearded dudes. So, I mean, if you haven't yet listen to us, we cover everything, Michigan sports. Uh, only thing we're really not into is hockey. Um, I can help with that. See, See? bring Doug on and he'll just talk for an hour straight. No interruptions. See, and that's perfect. And then that's, see, we have, we have a cross podcast idea already sprouting um but yeah thank you guys for just bringing me on today well thank you uh, for joining us Uh, i also have an episode on spartans wolverines and beards sometimes i mix up the order so that's why i pause that's fair i do um okay uh where we talked about the nba uh previewing it before it kicked off tipped off and you can see how wrong Elaine was. So, hey, hey now, aren't the Pacers like a game and a half out of eighth right now? Actually, the last time I checked, they were a game and a half out of first. Uh, I'm going to look right now. They might, no, but seriously, the East is really, really. It like, is. Everybody's like 11 and eight. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit more than that now. I'm sure Doug's checking. Doug, are you checking? If I can move fast enough, but I probably can't. You're you're four games out of first, so you're in the fifth spot right now, and you're two games away from eighth. <laughs> hey, question: How are the Washington Wizards doing? That you said hey, hey, the playoffs. Hey, let's not talk. And, hey, you said hey, <laughs> you said you said that they would make the playoffs, and the Pacers wouldn't. Hey, 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 now. So how are they doing? Hey, what's their record, Doug? <laughs> The Wizards are currently uh, five and fourteen. Erroneous. Okay. Erroneous. So fifth, fifth is sounding pretty good right now. I didn't say that they would be the best team in the NBA or even in the East. I didn't even say that they would win their own division. I did say that the Pacers would make the playoffs, and you said they wouldn't, and you said the Wizards would. So all I'm saying is, burn. <laughs> when you're right, you're so right. So on that note, Lane, love you, man. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay, Doug. Stay safe. You too. All right. Adios.